Blog Talk Radio. My name is Raina Starr. I am your host for the evening. I'm your host every evening. I don't even know why I bothered to say that. Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this may not be the show for you, but I'm hoping you'll stick around anyway. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly, utterly wicked one herself. The lady, Dorothy Morrison, who is going to be with me tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So I hope you all tune in. She is going to announce her Merry Month of Morrison mystery boxes. I'm telling you, it's going to be fantastic. It always is. Check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. But tomorrow she will be announcing the Merry Month of Morrison. All right. My guest for the evening, the one, the only, the amazing one, which Dr. Utu. Hey, Utu, how are you, my love? I'm doing great. It's so good to talk to you again. I have, I, I always enjoy a conversation with you. So <laughs> the last time we spoke, we were talking about um, how Canada kind of viewed Trump and all of that interesting stuff. And you said something interesting to me before we went on the air that I, I, that kind of made me giggle about how, you know, Canada always seems to get a pass because that's where you are. And um, maybe there's a little bit more crazy going on over there uh, than the rest of us actually know about. And I just thought that was kind of funny. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, yeah, it is true that Canada does seem, I mean, I'm I'm happy to live in North America, you know, it's all good, but Canada does get this kind of pass a lot that, you know, I think people think folks are a bit more sane, uh, more grounded, and, you know, to some degree, I suppose that's true, but, you know, we're so close to, to each other, America and Canada, there's very little difference, to be quite honest. Politics, philosophies have bled over the line very easily. So, yeah, we actually have, you know, let's, you know, America has over, what, 350 or so million people. Well, Canada has 40 million. So everything is just less here. But there is definitely a lot of people that are the same philosophy about protesting these lockdowns and big gatherings and anti-mask, anti-vax, you know, and that's fine. That's uh, to each their own. But... You know, I, I, it is funny how sometimes people go, really, that's happening up there? It's like, yeah, of course it is, because, you know, there's these things are everywhere. So, yeah, we're in the middle of a big lockdown. It's out of control in this country right now. Vaccinations have been slow to roll out to people. So, uh, yep. and these variants, whatever they are, have, have crippled 
most of the province's health care. So where I live in Ontario, we're in the middle of already one long month lockdown, and it's going to be almost another month. And all the hospital beds are full. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of people sick and dying more than ever. You know, this is the worst it's ever been. So it's kind of crazy right. to be experiencing this now. Uh, so, yeah, a bit, bit nightmarish, hellish scene. But uh, what are you going to do? Just ride it out. Ride it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think as Americans, you know, the folks down here, America being lower, um, you know, they forget that, you know, we have very close neighbors that may not be getting better just because we are, you know. So I kind of wanted to bring a little bit of that awareness out there because I think, you know, Americans, not all Americans, obviously, but, you know, the reason a stereotype becomes a stereotype is because it's based in some kind of truth somewhere. And the fact that we're kind of, you know, myopic and self-centered and, and all of that is somewhat true. So I just kind of wanted people to realize that uh, all of America is, not, all of the Americas are not in one place and not everyone is getting all of the same benefits, you know, well, either from country you know, and to country. To, to equal that as much as uh, the big cities of Canada that are cosmopolitan and sophisticated, love to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of truth to all those TV shows, whether it's Letter Kenny, Trailer Park Boys, those people exist. They're just out in the country you know, outside the big cities, that's a real stereotype right. too. Those people are real. <laughs> but bless their hearts, they're great people, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Takes all kinds. <laughs> it's, no, and I absolutely agree. Otherwise it would be a very boring society. But like I said, I just, I just think that America being so myopic sometimes and having just come off of the Trump train, uh, as many people have, and, you know, it's kind of like being a mole person and suddenly seeing the light again of day after being in the dark for so long. I think a lot of people have changed and thought, oh, you know, uh, uh, these crazy liberals are going to destroy the world, and actually we're just trying to make things a little bit better. And, and it works sometimes. It doesn't work every time, but it does work sometimes. And, and that gives me a lot of hope. So I'm definitely hopeful that, uh, you know, you guys start to see – some improvement as soon as you know soon quickly um i'm quite surprised that i mean listen it's not that people aren't dying here still every day but the the critical situations that you're describing we went through already um where it was not a hospital bed to be found and you know ventilator shortages and all of the things that are necessary to treat people were not available so I'm hoping that it just took a little there. while. You know, it, it, it's basically a couple, a couple of issues. You know, at first, you know, Canada's population, the provinces are all really big, and they're in a big straight line across the country. So we don't really, you know, it takes eight hours from where I live to drive up to Quebec, and it takes 24 hours <laughs> to get out of Ontario going into Manitoba. So people don't really go province to province too much. And the population is spread out. <laughs> and so at first it was easy to sort of, keep it under some sort of control but the other problem with Canada right. is it's got so the border has been, been closed between the United States for obviously over yes. a year now but there were still a lot of international yeah. flights to other parts of the world and that's what's brought in these whatever the variants are whatever they are that's what caught up and right. just uh, you know people were taking it a little too laissez-faire up here it was just a little bit like you know late summer early fall everybody kind of assumed ah, whatever's you know it's, it's fine it's all it's all over 
and it just spiraled out of control. And so, yeah, it just took a while to catch up, you know, and it is, it's just, a, you know, there's just no getting out of this for anyone, really. Yeah. Yeah, not really. I agree. And uh, I just wish, I mean, you know, 2020 is, 2020 is forever hindsight. But, you know, I, I just wish more people had paid attention to how they were, even how they were feeling in their own body. You know, um, I think a lot of people just very easily pass things off as not being anything, you know, serious because Americans notoriously hate doctors. Um, <laughs> you know, there's like two swaps of people. There are the people that never want to go to the doctor, and then there are the people that are hypochondriacal and go all the damn time. So, you know, it's always one extreme or the other here. But I think if more people had paid attention um, I, I, and I don't know this for a fact, it's just conjecture, that maybe we would have gotten a grip on it sooner. I don't know, maybe it's because the leadership wasn't great. Not, not that any leadership is ever perfect, but, you know, when you have somebody who actively denies that the existence of something that they then get themselves, it's kind of a weird <clears throat> situation. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a messy situation all around. We're all just going to have to it is. keep keep uh, steady the ship for a little longer. So tonight's a special night, you were telling me. <laughs> Valpurgis. Valpurgis night. Valpurgis night. So what is Valpurgis night? Well, I always like to joke around a little bit about it on this night if I'm home, you know. But it's kind of one of these things, you know, well, first off, I'm no, you know, legitimate historian so there's probably some uh witches out there that uh have different philosophy about it but it's something that is it, it's a, it's a holiday that's basically it's a, it's a saint it's the feast day of a saint in, in in europe you know germany you know most of the the nordic and germanic countries you know so and like most of or some of the saints they put it on top of a pagan festival. So this traditionally in those parts of Europe, and most of Europe, the climate, you know, again, it's funny. People think Europe is all very similar, but there's only like, you know, I don't know, 40 or 50 different languages. Uh, nobody looks the same in any of these countries. It's, it's, a very, it's a very cosmopolitan continent. So, but there's some things that are similar. And so at least at the northern part of the continent, because it's tropical in the southern parts, they sort of celebrated right now it's coming up on Beltane. It's, it's spring fertility rites. And yeah. so some people called this yeah. back in the day, like the Halloween, you know, the spring Halloween, because there's a very big aspect of dressing up as, you know, dark entities celebrating forbidden dark gods, you know, a bit of a, you know, orgiastic frenzy, lots of debauchery, lots of this nature. And, you know, the kind of things people do and, and that are pagans that celebrate the sure. spring, it's usually going to get messy. So, uh, that's what it is, and it's just kind of become this. And it, you know, there was there was old paintings and old, old like you know poems and stories that sort of alluded to it in European culture. Various ones mentioning it, 
And so now it's become kind of a renaissance, like everything in, in the modern world. And Europe is sort of capital, you know, certain countries have capitalized on making it a big festival. And then, of course, you've got the new generation of witches and pagans who see that and then embrace it. And, you know, then it becomes this kind of a appropriated holiday. And I don't think anyone cares. It's like, you know, it is what it is. So it's just one of the, but it does have a, you know, there are traditions, though, and, and even in traditional craft, at least certain lines, and it's specifically European ones. And, you know, I was born in Scotland, so I'm not exactly European. Europe doesn't think we're part of Europe, but that doesn't matter. I'm just a you know, short boat right away where I was born. But uh, there's a lot of yeah. similarities to a lot of some of the festivals in, in the British Isles, Scotland, and mainland Europe. And so this, you know, this definitely is a time of, it's the eve of Beltane, you know, uh, at least on the, the, yeah. the solar calendar. So it's just a, basically a frenzied, right, a lot of costumes, a lot of, uh, and then it's always been depicted as far as sort of witches, you know, flying to a forbidden Sabbath, you know, so therefore that's where a lot of those, uh, you know, Renaissance era paintings depicting witches flying on brooms, bowing down before the, the horned god, you know, flying ointment, orgies, you know, all manner of the, the most forbidden, salacious things. And so because that's the foundation of the holiday, whether it's accurate or not, it's now become something that's celebrated, you know, so it's kind of like a, like a carnival you know, that is celebrating these things, you know. So people dress up in parts of Germany and Sweden and and uh, Austria as, as witches and warlocks and devils and demons, and it just becomes this kind of a Halloween-esque celebration of all the finer things in life. So I'm all about that. Uh, I'm in lockdown. I was in lockdown this time last year, so the only way I can penetrate yes. borders right now is on my sickle, because I ride a sickle. I'm not, you know, brooms are cool, yeah. but, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm totally a dude. I'm a guy. And I got a big long sickle. I can get a couple of buddies on there, a couple of you know friends, whatever. Uh, yep. Fly about, Sabbath to Sabbath, forbidden coven to forbidden coven, all in the astral, all good. And uh, so that's, you know, at least I'm going to get out in the wind tonight. And since there's a nice windstorm, apparently, all the way from Niagara, all the way down to where you are in North Carolina. Well, the wind is at our yeah, back. We're under you know, so yeah, perfect night. Even if someone doesn't know everything. how to ride. Yeah, even if someone doesn't really know how to ride their broom just correctly, well, the wind is going to be on their side. It'll be all right. And there's going to be people like me flying up saying, hey, let me help you with that. All right, let me show you how this is done, you know. Come over here. (laughs) (laughs) My priestess raised me to be a very good warlock and and a very gentlemanly one. So, you know. As long as I've known you, which is actually going on nine and a half years. Yeah, you've always been very kind. <laughs> very gentlemanly. <laughs> Some of our first phone calls when you had the entire band on, Dragon Ritual drummers, of course. Um, it was very fun, sometimes confusing because everybody, everyone wanted the floor at once a couple of times, and it was quite fun. And, and you guys were always a blast. How how is the rest of the the team doing? How is everybody doing? Good. Like we actually, it's funny. The Dragon Ritual drummers, we we managed to do all right during 2020. You know, with this time last year, when lockdowns were you know across the board across the whole continent here at least, a lot of obviously every yeah. festival was canceled. But we ended up getting sure. invited to be on lots of virtual ones. And so in a funny way, like at one point last summer, we were as busy as as, as if we were on tour, you know, which we don't do as much as we used to, but still it was really busy. And so 
it was kind of fun. We, you know, we'd be, you know, video playing a concert uh, on video with sound equipment that was being broadcast to whatever event people were attending. And so each one of those nights, yeah. it sort of felt like a tour for us. So when we were done, we still lived up to the tribal rock and roll frenzy afterwards and said, well, hey, you know, this is, this is just like a show. So let's, let's, let's party like Vikings, like we usually do afterwards. And so it was a lot of fun. And we managed to be, you know, stay really active. You know, there was only a few, you know, you, there was a few pagan bands that were able to do it as well. The usual ones, you know, some of the, you know, Wendy Rule, Kellyana, you know, uh, sure. Swatadea, you know, the, the, the ones that, you know, yep. are, 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 you know, headlining events. The, you know, every one of us was pretty active in, in the same mm-hmm. arena. So the, adapt- the adaptation was interesting. It was uh, weird at first, and then it became really comfortable. And now we're still doing it. It's gone like that way through the winter, and right up until now, mm-hmm. we're still we're about to do a couple more virtual events in the next couple months because there still isn't really going to be any that, that we can get to. So, you know, so right. we've adapted and enjoyed it and embraced it. And, uh, you know, we've, we obviously haven't been able to spend a whole lot of time together, but when we have these windows between lockdowns, That's it. Hello? Hello? Yeah, can you not hear me? Now I can. I lost you there for a good 40 seconds. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing good. So we, you guys are, we did good. Yeah. We we see each other. Which is awesome. You know, in in small groups, there's, you know, two or three of us together once in a while and, uh, you know, in between things. But we are coming up to a point where we're going to be playing – another virtual show for our good friend of ours, John Husalak. He is a Roma uh, uh, practitioner, and he has an an annual event in May in Ontario, right down by the lake every year to celebrate uh, St. Sarah E. Kali, the the matron saint of the Roma people. And that's her feast day on May 24th. So he has a big life-size effigy that goes down to the water. She gets anointed, and uh, there's a lot of Roma and various European peoples uh, some Brazilian people that are there, and we always usually attend it. And so this year, you know, he's doing it virtually again, and so we'll be, we'll be performing at it, you know, from our end. Uh, so for for him to continue to do that, so that's uh, that's our next show essentially uh, near the end of May. Online. That's awesome. <laughs> but hey, you know, I I find that the people I've talked to who have been doing virtual events. While they miss the in-person part, you're able to reach so many more people when it's virtual that, you know, everything has a plus and a minus, but a lot of folks are saying that they want to continue to do virtual events. Do you think that's something you guys will be interested in even after things calm down from the pandemic? It seems that way, and the best example was, you know, back in, in the winter there, and in, in, was it? Uh, I'm forgetting the month right now. What it what, when it was? But WitchCon that was the big one that we we attended that uh, Hex and Omen mm-hmm. crew put on together, and that had over a hundred presenters. Yeah, yeah. And we were the only musical wow. component to it, which was a big honor. But they're doing that every sure. year now. They created that to specifically be a virtual conference because there's a, hundreds of people that won't travel to in-person ones or can't. And so, yeah, I think you're going to see a bit more in between the physical attendant attended events these online uh events which is great it just it's kind of opened up another door but uh you know it, it's okay you know i prefer obviously being in person but it's 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 helped sure it's, it's interesting you know i never would have thought i would have done rituals 
online with people. Uh, but I've done a lot of them this year. <laughs> you know, rituals yeah. with friends, groups of people I belong to, traditions. We literally have, you know, cast things, evoke things, and and uh, you know, from wherever we were. And it's just a really interesting dynamic to have to sit and ponder, you know, and be like, what did we just do? You know, that's interesting. So it's 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 interesting. It's it's been it's been a challenge and a, and, and a very tantalizing experience, despite all the pain and suffering, you know, and uncomfortable reality we're in. Yeah, I, and I agree with that, too. I, I think um, anytime you have to learn a new paradigm, it's there's pain involved, at least in, in initially, until everyone gets their bearings. I mean, you know, humans, from what I can see, tend to be creatures of habit, change resistance a lot of the time. So, you know, it's 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 about learning and adapting and growing with whatever the situation is. So, you know, it's good that, that the band is still getting seen and, and able to play. And, you know, I, I think um, especially in times of great stress, music is what helps people get through. So that's that's wonderful, and um, I certainly appreciate all the musicians in my life. I have a lot of them, and uh, I know that sometimes you get thrown a really big curveball, and uh, <laughs> you wonder, how are we going to make this work? And, you know, we, we're still adapting to certain things, and, you know, while in some places it's getting worse, some, in some places it's getting better. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, it's still a dangerous world out there to a certain extent, you know, as it always is, but hopefully, you know, uh, they'll figure out how to beat this thing down some more and make it easier for folks to be mobile again. It's hard. It's hard. I don't, I yeah. don't envy anyone who has to make a living, um, you know, being in a place that is primarily a public space. I mean, how do you protect yourselves? How do you safeguard your bands? You know, how do you safeguard your fans? You know, it's difficult unless you're going to do it virtually. You know, and yeah, some people we were, don't you know, like the future is un- future's uncertain for like where things go from here for us. You know, we just have to pretty much hide and wait in our little lagoon. But we were charmed. We were lucky mm-hmm. that, you know, thankfully, and I, I got to give full props to every aspect of the pagan. Even the conjure, the African traditional religious world, the witchcraft world, like all the spiritual, uh, you know, communities that sort of intersect with each other, you can really see who really yeah. rose to the to the level that was needed and provided these spaces for people. And you know that I've been really lucky. I've been invited to do a lot of talks for you know small traditions, small events that are private. And you know, so those mm-hmm. are all people that are, you know, all you can do is just be grateful that they're still, you know, so thankfully witches have risen to the challenge to make sure that magic is still available to people even in these circumstances and so that was that was nice to see and it's definitely separated the posers from the the people that possess that sort of ability so that's been kind of nice to see there's been a kind of a rising of the of of the tide so to speak and only certain boats rose in some sank you know and that's probably for the better so you know it's these things happen and it's but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for everyone that's gone out of their way to make sure that there's still, you know, things for people to attend even in these challenging times. And so, you know, it's obviously starting to open up. 
especially in the United States and parts of Europe. We're just a little behind in Canada, but eventually the border will open. And, uh, you know, if everyone has their vaccine passport, because that's going to happen here in Canada, they've literally said it. Like, that's a thing. It's it's real. They are saying that. So at some point, no one's going to get out of this country without the app. I'm not thrilled about that, but hey, you know, whatever, you know, just... You just deal with what you can deal with and stay positive and keep the magic going. I agree. I I have actually a family member who, uh, you know, when the vaccine came out or started, when the vaccines started coming out, warned me that there was, you know, a chip. And I'm like, if you have a credit card, baby, you've already got the chip. Hate to tell you, uh, cell phone, credit card, you're chipped. <laughs> That's pretty much the way it is. But of course, some people want to make a lot more of certain things than maybe there actually are. Listen, I don't know. I could be totally fucking wrong. I have no clue. Uh, it's all conjecture on my part. But um, Well, the only thing I know for certain is it wasn't caused by 5G, so we can at least put that theory out the way. So, you know, that, there's that. You know, we, can, we can at least all agree on that one. Had nothing to do with 5G. Yes. Let's move on. And uh, are there lots of things yes. people could take liberty with? Absolutely. There's... You know, and again, I'm I'm not the kind of person who's, you know, pro government or pro, you know, institution. Like I'm not. I, I I'm a I'm a vagabond in many ways. You know, I, I most of the guys in, in my circle, most of the people in my circle, we're very tribal, and the tribal lands are most of North America. And I've got family overseas, so I just move around, and I don't care. But I understand that it's. This came out of nowhere. It's hard. It is what it is. And uh, mm-hmm. I just try to deal with it. I, I mean, I could sit and, and have I've got lots of opinions, but none of them are worth sharing. So, you know, I just focus on what I can deal with, maneuver through the currents I can, and try to do my part to, you know, keep the people in my community, at least, you know, where, where we are, uh, you know, inspired yeah. or provide something. So when we've had windows open here, we've managed to have small events, small gatherings, um, you know, and had to, you know, apply these new parameters of, you know, yeah, smaller groups. When it's indoors, there's people wearing sure. masks, you know, these types of things. But, uh, you know, when the doors are open, we definitely have tried in Niagara community, and, and we've been very successful. We've been lucky. But right now, that's not happening. We're all indoors. Well, you know, in our homes, you know, there's no gathers happening now. So only in the astral. So tonight's the perfect night. <laughs> you know, I saw you post something recently about um, part of the Underground Railroad. There was a, a new piece found. Am I remembering that correctly or am I screwing that yeah, up? Can, in, can you guys yeah, so in Delaware, that? Yeah, so in Delaware, the property that was a track of land that Harriet Tubman's family lived on, which was mm-hmm. land that was eventually granted to Harriet Tubman's father when he was eventually freed. You know, so he became a free man of color, but, you know, his daughter wasn't. This is, you know, it's a very, you know, sad situation when you really break down the realities of what, you know, the slave state was during that time. So, but that track of land has been known, you know, they knew that they lived there. They just never really knew where certain structures were because, you know, land grows fast. And when things are neglected, it's really hard. And it was a good several, like, square acres and so they've been finding little bits of places here and there. And they believe, most recently, that uh, they found the foundation of the cabin that was the home of Harry Tubman's father, therefore the house mm-hmm. she grew up in. Um, 
I do know a lot of people that are descendants of not only very well-known Underground Railroad freedom seeker descendants, as well as people that are actual descendants of the various arms of Harriet Tubman's family. There's people that I know, that I'm blessed to know and, and communicate with once in a while. And so there's a division there mm-hmm. right now as far as people being really excited about what they found, and there's some skepticism on other sides. But they do mm-hmm. know that was the land, and they do know that they have found some artifacts that, you know, based on dates, truly do belong to um, that era of when she or her father and them were living there before she became the famous conductor. And so, yeah, that is mm-hmm. true. It's a unique find. Um, incidentally, like another, I haven't had time to share it, but here in Ontario, there's been a bit of a controversy for the last several days. And that's because in Fort Erie, which is a town, you know, about 25 minutes south of me, that is right on the border of, you know, the town of Fort Erie, and you cross a bridge and you're in Buffalo over the Niagara River. And there's a famous building there called Birdie Hall that was uh, yeah. you know, a very rich family called the Forsyths. And they were uh, abolitionists. They were originally loyalists. So when they left you know, the States, they were loyalists. That's a big deal in Canada. And they were, they, their, their big, beautiful house was also a tavern attached to it, a barn. And that's where the stagecoach would come to there and come back into where I live in St. Catharines. So once people crossed the border... Mm-hmm. Uh, over the, you know by way of back then by boat because it's not too ferocious the currents there so a, a ferry would come across it's navigable there yeah. and come to Fort Erie freedom seekers could stay at this property they mostly stayed in the barn that was in the back of the property and so it was always celebrated in that way and it's on the Niagara Freedom Trail which freedom seeker descendants monitor and historians that are descendants of these people you know they're the keepers of it and recently a woman who isn't really a freedom seeker descendant but is an activist for activist sake has sort of just been nipping mm-hmm. at them forever to sort of question whether that house was ever an actual you know safe house and just a few days right. ago managed to get the plaque removed and it became an uproar and descendants mm-hmm. of actual freedom seekers were irate. I've been talking to them for days, uh, and, you know, not good. So, But luckily, we found out that it actually is going to be re-placked again to, with the freedom seeker, which is that silhouette of the, of the, the escapee. He's called the freedom seeker, and that yeah. was, that's where it marks all the locations throughout North America. So he will be going back on there. It's just they're going to be removing a couple of pieces of information. One of them that was on the plaque was that the tunnels, which almost every very big house that was a rich person living on a river usually had tunnels to bring goods in. And so they were never used for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a a compartment in the basement of this house that people, you know, falsely said was a, a hiding spot. They didn't have to hide. They stayed in the barn across the road. But this is historical fact and written about by black historians you know 40 years ago that did all the proper mm-hmm. research and know about that family's contribution to being abolitionists so it struck a nerve and it struck a chord so for people that are involved in underground railroad lore history like myself there's always something going on but this mm-hmm. last few days has definitely been uh get on the news all over ontario and it's uh there's people that you know are divided down the lines as to what's happened but yeah, so there's always something going on, and uh, you know I'm always in a weird position because I spend time with these folks, and they're friends of mine, and to some degree family, and so um, yeah, yeah I, I I I always know what side I'm choosing, but <laughs> and in this particular battle, I'm on one particular side, and it's the easy one. It's the people that are truly descendants of the ones who built the community, whose 
you know, ancestors are the ones who made it here, built the churches, were in Harry Tubman's enclave, supporters and clergy and, her, and that community. So that's, those are the people that I'm always going to side with in these matters. Yeah, I want to remind folks that you wrote a book, Conjuring Harriet Mama Moses Tubman and the Spirits of the Underground Railroad, um, which you took a lot of shit for, didn't you? Well, from some places, yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, it became an it became a a vehicle for one arm of extreme left woke uh, craziness from mostly California to try to take me out the equation. But you know, thankfully, uh, you know, the fact that uh, been around for a long time and contributed to pagan and conjure community here in North America for almost 20 years was enough to help me withstand yep. it. But yes. It was uh, a baptism by fire for my first mainstream book, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think a lot of it was unfairly done. I um, I don't know. I, I just feel like if you have a heart for something and you're connected to something, that you're connected to it, you know, I understand why people get upset if they see somebody doing something ironic or to make fun of, but when that isn't the intention my feeling is leave it alone. This person has a heart for this, and, and this is what they're writing, and, and this is coming from a genuine place. And that should really be the end of it, in my opinion. When you when you write, I mean, you, you, you took the time. You have research. You know, As you said, you know these people. This is something you're very involved in. So I just want to say thank you for doing that. Um, wow. Well. I appreciate it. It is. It is ironic. Is is a good term because, you know, nobody has any uh, say in who writes or talks about or teaches anything about the Underground Railroad because the whole point of it, for me especially, all the work I've been doing all these years, is it's a paradigm mm-hmm. for fraternity, for cooperation, for you yeah. know uh, actual social justice to fight the system and how many people it took to uniquely uh yeah cooperate you know different faiths different colors different classes in two different countries managed to in a strange network and sometimes right out in the wide open and parts where it was okay to fundraise and to have lectures and and uh educate people on what was going on that's what that's what it represents it represents actual fraternity actual cooperation and on a very progressive way in the 1800s that kind of if you think about it it wouldn't even be possible now the people that were that that even on the even on like i i don't know i don't understand why everything's always divided between right and left but let's just say mm-hmm. for example the left where everyone assumes that the left there are the people that are you know about equality or about you know justice let's just say that's the case well right now that faction fights itself you know so right now even on the side of people who are on the same side of everything that counts are warring amongst Mm -hmm. themselves about who's the most virtuous who's the most knighted who's the most you know woke and it's asinine Mm -hmm. so you know it is ironic that something that was uh you know first off no one's ever written that type of a book before so uh if by the time it got vetted by the type of people that had to vet that uh, if there was any issues, mm-hmm. um, people would have known about it a long time ago. You know, all my work was done before I wrote that book, in the wide open. Whether it was my platform, mm-hmm. the Dragon Ritual Drummers platform, whatever it was we were doing, yeah. all the people of the different religious 
traditions that we belong to or I belong to in some situations, whether it's Voodoo or Santeria or Palo Mayambe, you know, these are all people that helped me over the years. Uh, you know, uh, we're encouraging me to do this. And so, you know, because it was different and it was something unique and, and, a, and a different road to, to take, whereas it would have been easy to regurgitate some book of hoodoo spells, right? What's the point of that? That's not what I was doing in my life. So, yeah, whatever reason, people didn't like the sounds of it. Once the book came out and people realized what it was all about, it just disappeared. They yep. all shut up. No, apolo- no apologies, of course. You know, no one... You know, and and the other, uh, the really sad part, and you know, and I, I always like to point this out, is it's a there's a playbook, and I've I've noticed it. When you be when if people were to take a poll of me, especially in America, if they were to take a poll and be like, okay, what do you think about this? Uh-huh. Be, I would be considered practically a communist, like a really hardcore pro-gay, pro-environment, pro-racial equality, you know, crazy person to some people. So for me to have been. Yeah signaled out as the sort of a target once they couldn't make a certain thing stick i realized that it is yeah. true and this is the unfortunate reality they just lie and they try to throw everything at the wall to see if something will stick so my issues yeah. about whether i was allowed to write this book or not really only lasted a few days it was a few months of being called a transphobe where the fuck did that come from a homophobe fucking ridiculous you know uh, a rape apologist like the amount of stupidity and now when i see it in the mainstream you know when people get deplatformed yeah. and canceled and stuff and you see these antics it's like yeah so mm-hmm. i find it really hard to side right now with any of that bullshit because once you experience it mm-hmm. and see the the literal amount of lies that come out of there there is nobody that is clean in this world you know like so the, the, when the far left try to say something about the far right they just need to look in the mirror because they're just as bad. And that's the crappy part right now. The pendulum, you know, it, it seems like, you know, the two far extremes over there, they, they would make a great couple, you know. The sex would be great because they are fiery, they're full of shit, and they believe in all kinds of quasi-bull crap. And everyone else in sort of the center, well, they're the ones just wondering, well, where is this pendulum going to hit when it comes back the other direction? So, Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate because the well, things that people care about or we're trying to speak up about, they just ruin it. And yeah. they just, they, they, they do more co- more damage to the cause they say they're, you know, they're, they're virtue signaling for. It just doesn't help them. It doesn't help the cause. You know, so what are you going to do? I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know. Because, quite frankly, I find myself being, you know, when you get to be a certain age, and I'm almost 60, you just stop giving a fuck about a lot of things. A lot of shit is not fucking important anymore. You know, being clean and pure, you know, I don't think anyone is. Um, I am a hardcore liberal, but I also like guns. I mean, there's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't think anyone is ever 100% anything. That's right. You know, I do believe in this. I believe in the death penalty. People are like, well, then you're not a fucking liberal. I'm like, fuck you. Yes, I am. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like what you ascribe yeah. to yourself, you don't necessarily have to ascribe to other people. These are my views. You know, I believe in, you know, rights for folks. I don't think well, folks should yeah. get and, and, fucked and, and, and up over I'm the same way, right? I'm the same way. So when I said people if yeah. they were to take a poll of me, there'd be other ones. 
that they'd be horrified by, you know, like, you know, because I'm not anti-gun. Uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, just every nobody is, you know, there's just this kind of a battle right now of who's going to be the most authoritative and who's going to control what we can say, what we can do. And, yeah, so it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a messy situation out there. Um, so what do you, you know, is it, all we can do is, is, you know, just to me, though, you know, the worst part is that, when people saw what was going on, because what happened to me was super uber public, right? And it was, it was global. Yeah. So when people saw what was happening and then saw the antics, I had literally hundreds, if not thousands of people that I've incurred in my travels over all these 20 years with the Dragon Ritual Drummers, with myself representing the Voodoo Spiritual Temple, whatever it is, where, you know, people that might have been in pockets of America, more specifically, that might have been like, well, I don't know, cultural appropriation, because it's something that I would talk about, something that I would point out in our, my own way, in my lectures, in my workshops, you know, educating people about things on a, on, a, on a normal way. So there was a lot of people who were on the fence that were taking a little while maybe to understand certain things. Once they witnessed all mm-hmm. that, all those people said, fuck those causes and fuck this. And that was that dismantled so many people that were allies for certain causes that previously weren't and now never will be. And that's what these dummies don't realize is that sitting behind their keyboard, sitting behind their whatever you know world that they belong to, which is certainly not really, I think, out there in where, where I'm going. None of the pagan festivals I go to or pagan conferences I go to uh, subscribe to any of this these antics you know and as much as the pagan community let's just say the pagan community might have some issues and i understand it Mm -hmm. does but let's be real this is one of the most unique subcultures in the western world and since the 70s Mm -hmm. when the pagan community started to grow in america and then you know splintered into canada like north america it was always ahead of the curve as far as championing equality for sex race class pro-environment, like the things that mattered, you know, that really matter. They were always there. And every time a new part of society rose up, you know, you know, gay rights, there's the pagan community on the front line of that, you know, racial equality on the front line. You know, yeah, there's parts of America where there just aren't people of color. That's just the way, that's just called reality. So some communities are going to be a little slower to, you know, understand, but there's very little, like there are causes, there are issues to, to be alarmed by. But the benefits and the, the good things that the pagan community has brought to this world far outweigh its, 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 its issues. And so the fact that it's being so attacked on from, its, from the inside from a particular area is it's very mm-hmm. disheartening to me. And I think it's, it's, like it's sad because uh, the pagan community is awesome. You know, it's, 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 it's always tried to be progressive and inclusive. And it was always, you know, sort of an apolitical, you know, not that long ago. Not that long ago, right. in festivals in America, you didn't know if somebody identified as a Republican or a Democrat. And it didn't come up, you know. It didn't really come up True. much, you know. So now it's become if you are not wearing the right flag or holding up the right, you know, you know banner, then you are the enemy. Mm-hmm. There, is no, there is no ability to you know, communicate any other way. You're just the enemy. And that's just stupid. And so I'm hoping and I'm seeing that it is the case that most of the larger pagan communities, festivals, conferences, uh, are drawing a line and saying, no, the ones that don't, they crumble. 
they crumble. You give an inch, take a mile, and it becomes to a point where nobody can attend anything to any class. Everybody in different colors has to be in different places. Everybody in different sexes has to be in different places. That's just, not, that's just not the way the world works. It's never going to work that way, and it's the antithesis of everything that magic, witchcraft, and spirituality is about. You know? It's good to police things. It's good to make sure people aren't doing stupid things and doing erroneous things. But mm-hmm. it's not as bad as some of these fools seem to think it is. And that's my opinion, though, right? It's just my opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, and I am, you know, I'm completely okay with saying I've been guilty of that. You know, as far as I fully admit it. Um, drawing the line between, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you would consider this being guilt, the same exact thing. <coughs> Like, my argument is not against all Republicans. My argument was against all Trump supporters. So, yeah, I have a very strong bias against people who supported a person like that. I fully admit that, and as much as I love you, I will fully stand by that. But I get what you're saying. And I agree with what you're saying to a large extent. Um, there are certain things we are, we are just against because it is antithetical to everything we believe in. And um, having grown up right near that person and uh, seeing what he was about way before he became a political figure, um, I felt like I had more information about it than perhaps the average person. But that's in the past. I'm not thinking about that anymore. At least I should not be. Um, But I agree with you. And there is there is a limit to how much – I mean, when you have to literally stop and think very carefully about how you word everything in the regard of, you know, instead of talking about how you feel in a generalized way without attacking other people, somehow I find that people are still feeling attacked just for an opinion, you know, not – saying you're wrong or you're bad or, you, you, you know, you're doing this wrong or you're, you shouldn't feel that way about that. Just general opinion stuff I find people are getting attacked for, which I find interesting. Yeah, the whole, it's out of control right now, and it's going to hopefully right itself. But, yes, it's, it's not quite as bad here like that. It's, this is definitely a, an American phenomenon right now. But it does, it does happen in Canada. But the thing about Canada is that it's so multicultural, right? It's just such a multicultural country and all the cities the big cities you know whether it's montreal quebec city toronto calgary you know, vancouver these are cities that are overwhelmingly like when you add up all the different ethnicities that live in there whatever uh, a, a quote-unquote white person is is by far the minority of people now in the other mm-hmm. you know remote parts of canada yeah they're all kind of like european descendants whites uh, so to some degree but it's mm-hmm. a very multicultural country so a lot of these issues kind of already gelled or, or intermingled, and it's always a work in progress because in Canada, because everybody is born somewhere else or their parents are born somewhere else, there's all manner of things. People that are from the former Yugoslavia or people from various parts of Africa or parts of various parts of yeah. Europe or Asia that these countries warred with each other. There's you know, religious things between Islamic and and orthodox people this is all, like that's the issues that happen in these multicultural cities it's not about one particular color one particular oppressor but ironically enough right. though, the people that most absolutely in canada 
that suffer the absolute most racism or, uh, you know, horrible activity from police, because it happens in the, in the, the uh, remote ex- interiors and exteriors of the country, is the First Nations people, the Native American people. You know, Canada was colonized. Mm-hmm. It's just that it didn't have slavery for very long. So it seems to always get this kind of a pass that, oh, uh, you know, but they're forgetting. Yeah, there were Native American people living here. They all live on reservations here that, you know, that are, choose not to, but it's still very stacked against those people. And that's the issue that a lot of people in Canada kind of, if they're really about equality and stuff, that's the kind of, the issue that really unites a lot of people because everyone else comes from somewhere Uh else. So that's the only place something is quote unquote systemic, you know. Because in the right. big cities, it's just too multicultural for any one particular, uh, you know, color or race to be dominant over another. It, and, and that's what I love about Ontario, and specifically Toronto and Montreal. It is so cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. It is the most multicultural cities in the world. And that's what's unique about it. And so, it's, it's, you know, so whatever the, the, the battle happens in America, it does spill over into Canada just simply because we watch the same TV shows. We, we, we're all connected online now. And so... Sometimes it spills into here, you know, and other times it doesn't, and or it does, and then people go, "No, nah, no, nah, this is this this doesn't this doesn't have anything to do with how life is here," you know. So people kind of pick and choose right. what the issues are that come out of America, and whether or not that is applicable to here. So it's society is a work in progress. You know, all we can do is is uh, it's just it's interesting times, that's for sure. Always. And I think America thinks better of itself than sometimes it should as far as, you know, because if you ask an American if we're multicultural, oh, yes, absolutely, you know, we, we welcome everybody until we don't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like it seems to be a very selective type of multiculturalism. Like, you know, we, we seem to want certain people – from certain places at certain times. You know, I have a niece who was engaged to somebody in Sweden, and she had to make an appearance in front of the embassy to proclaim that she is a single person. It's like, how do you prove a negative? But the fact is, is that, you know, other countries have a very rigorous, We, you know, America thinks very highly of itself, like, yes, of course people want to come here. It's America. It's fabulous. And other people who are from here are like, I'm getting the fuck out. You know, there's places with, like, national health and clean air. <laughs> Let's try that for a change. But other countries are like, yeah, we know you're American. We know you've got a good education, but what are you bringing here, you know? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing vicariously that, uh, yeah, the, the shining city on a hill is maybe not so shining. I find it interesting. Yeah, you know, I feel, you know, I feel, I feel bad for uh, a lot of people right now because I think there's a lot of people that are really good folks that are vilified, and a lot of people that uh, are, you know, having a very hard time in, in existence, not getting equality, not being heard or talked over. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, and unfortunately, the hardest part is bridging the gaps, and that used to be easy. You know, that used to, well, not easy, but it used to be the thing that was unique about America. Like, the Underground Railroad is one of those paradigms, as is the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. as is the, you know, the, the whole counterculture movement. It was, you know, there was always these movements that 
a lot of these people didn't agree. They came from very different backgrounds that managed to find a place and a, and a position that celebrated their uniqueness as far as being allies, friends, tribal people, you know, moving the, the, the society forward a little bit. Whereas now, that's the problem. It's just not possible. Everybody is boxed into these little encampments, and people that used mm -hmm. to be allies that pushed the envelope of society to be more equal are now at mm -hmm. odds with each other and that's that's what's stalling everything and that and now it's just it's a very you know i don't know maybe sound like a downer but it is that's the challenge right now it's a challenge to find you know uh, an ability to work together and certain generations pull it off uh you know i think generation x did a pretty good job i'm one of those generation x people and you know that was a generation mm -hmm. that literally had that was benefiting from the one previous where you know people grew up a bit more uh you know uh, integrated and and you know accepting of of equalities of things you know from everything from sex gender and and so on and so forth and race but now it's like it's just it's, it's a very strange time so hopefully the spiritual community at least yeah. can can maintain its autonomy and and find a way through it well i mean you know the goal used to be to build society and do it somewhat harmoniously when that stopped being the goal, that stopped raising society up as a thing of purpose and value, you know, because now it's all about how I feel in the moment behind my keyboard. And I find it very distressing that we're now at this point, and it's, it's been like this for years now, and I remember liking it, likening it to, you know, a pack of wolves. Everybody's got, you know, their pack leader. And if you're not going to be part of the pack, it's, you know, either join or be killed. And it's, it's really disheartening because it's not the society I grew up in. You know, New York used to be a really fun fucking place. That's where I'm from. And, uh, it it's you know it was always dangerous it was always gritty you know until they came in and cleaned everything up but they they took away all the lessons too you know to yeah. be a kid in the 70s on the streets of Manhattan or being in Greenwich Village which i was lucky enough to do a lot of the time you know there were valuable lessons to be learned i was saved from junkies by someone who was not of the quote-unquote norm, who actually stepped in and said, this dumb little Long Island girl is going to get her ass handed to her in the worst possible way if I don't fucking step in and try to protect her dumb ass. And, you know, perfect strangers would come and save my stupidity and, and say, hey, <laughs> you're going to get hurt. I'm going to try to make sure you don't do that, even though I don't fucking know you. I just wish we were we were more back to that kind of a feel, you know, where everybody was not a fucking shark looking to kill anything not like itself. Ah, it scares yeah. me sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's just it's just, just messy because it it really is. It's the it's, it seems like there's an entire, you know, the, I'll just use it again. The pagan community is just always the the easiest one to use since we belong to it. But that should be yeah. a great example of everybody being on the same page yeah there's issues yeah there's things that need to change of course it's always been that way it's always been that way but when that unique subculture has divisions in it of extreme yeah. virtue signaling 
you know, deplatforming, canceling type of attitudes, we're in a tr- we're in a world of trouble because that's supposed to be one area that, and I get it, I understand it's different now. You know, just using Trump in his example that brought a division between the pagan community in America. I get it, but you know, and you know, there's there's change is hard, but it seems for sure that the, one of the sides or one of the subcultures that sort of should be on the same page and if not on the same thing at least in a dialogue position and that dialogue position Mm -hmm. is not in existence right now and that's the crappy part that's the dangerous part and that's the sad part so there you know i really agree with you so tell i just want to one more time remind folks about your book conjuring harriet mama moses tubman and the spirits of the underground railroad available where great books are sold, including Amazon, Kindle version available, yeah. if you're so inclined. Um, pick it up. It's a great book. And uh, before we go, because we're down to like four minutes, tell folks where they can catch up with you and, and the Dragon Ritual drummers, please. Well, people just need to sort of come to my Facebook page, which is listed as Utu Witch Doctor, because that's how Facebook locked me in. But, uh, yeah, Dragon Ritual Drummers, anywhere you type that up, there's a social media page that's going to have whatever we're up to going on. My only thing I know I'm doing for sure is in June, and it's the virtual free spirit gathering uh, uh, happening in uh, Delaware. So I'm really excited about that. And so, um, you know, I'm going to be presenting at a few online events. So usually if people just come by my page, I'm usually sharing whatever I'm up to. And so is the Dragon Ritual Drummers. So we're just going to, you know, we're kind of, like I said, we're in a, a strange part of the world right now where things are still kind of out of control. So we don't know when we'll be out and about. But, you know, come and check out anywhere that says Dragon Ritual Drummers, anywhere that says Zutu, Witch Doctor, and uh, people will be able to find whatever we or me are up to. <laughs> like shows like this. That's awesome. Yes. Utu, I, I, I just think the world of you, and, and I think you're one of the few genuine people in the world and I really appreciate any time I get to spend with you and I hope I can convince you to come back on soon oh you know it and I can never thank you enough for all your generosity kind words and uh, yeah you'll have to say a special hello to Dorothy Morrison for me because I heard the intro uh, I haven't seen her in forever yeah. so uh, I miss her she's one of my favorite witches that's for sure so I, yep. I understand you have yep. her on tomorrow so if you remember just say who too says hello <laughs> I'm going to go talk to her right now, actually, and say that. So, yeah, absolutely, I will I will be more than happy to. And thank you so much again for spending some time with me, and I can't wait till I get to talk to you again. Always my pleasure. And all the guys, by the way, said to say hello because I told them I was on the show. So awesome. from all the Dragon Ritual drummers, we That's send great. you our big astral hugs, and uh, we'll see you up there in Valpurgis Night, uh, you know, Den of Iniquity, pretty soon, a few hours from now. You got it. <laughs> You got it. All right, Utsu. Thank you again. I will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful night. All right. Much love. Thank you so much. All right, my love. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. I have tomorrow a doubleheader. First, I have Dorothy Morrison, the amazing one, my my sponsor and the person, one of the people I love the most in the world, uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Time. And at 4 o'clock, I am being joined by Keldon, writer of The Crooked Path and author of an upcoming book that we are going to discuss. So I hope to see you all tomorrow. Have a beautiful night. Love you all. Night, night.